you don't trust that person. You think you have to look over their shoulder. You think you have to physically watch them do their job. Like somebody who's going to mow your lawn, like you, you have to watch them push the lawnmower instead of just waiting until they come knock on your door and say, hey, I'm done. You step outside and look at the grass. Is the grass cut? Then great, pay them. <laughs> you don't have to watch them cut your grass. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to this week's episode of The Formula, where we break down and explore the elements of health, wealth, happiness, and achievement with guests from all over the world. And it's me, your host, Trevor Carlson. On this week's episode, I got the opportunity to sit down with Simple Tiger founder, Jeremiah Smith. Now, Simple Tiger is a digital marketing agency that's been around for a uh, for a decent amount of time. Uh, it's not just that it's a digital marketing agency. It's just that Jeremiah has built a fully remote team. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I think that that is awesome. And I think that that's where the, really the where the workforce is moving towards and has been for quite some time. So we really dive into what it's like to manage and build a fully remote team, how he got to where, where he is today with that team functioning at a high level. Uh, results-only work environments, the Pomodoro technique, and things to consider when working remotely. Uh, we dive into quite a few other things, including uh, some of his favorite books and how you can build your own remote team. So really excited to, uh, to share this with you today. Uh, but before we jump in, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Lady Boss. Lady Boss is the first global weight loss system and support community for women. Their mission is to help women lose weight while loving themselves again. Uh, they help women to gain their confidence back, improve their overall quality of life, and change the health of their entire family. They do this through providing the best information, products, and services possible in fitness, nutrition, and accountability. And we all know how important accountability is uh, in sticking to, to a fitness routine and, and the diet. So Lady Boss knows we're successful each time we create a complete physical and mental transformation. And uh, I, I truly believe that too. If you take care of yourself physically, uh, it really allows you to operate from a high level mentally as well. Uh, I mean, listen, if you listen to any of the episodes where we've talked about or talked with a guest from the fitness world, you know how, how I feel about building that, those types of physical routines and habits that allow your body, your machine to function at its highest level. So, you know, if, if you're a, if you're a power lady out there and you're looking for, for a new type of either weight loss program or, um, or some type of supplement program to get started on. I uh, can't recommend Lady Boss enough. They just had a, a big event. And uh, from what I saw, it was it was really moving to see how their program has changed the lives of so many women. And if you want to if you want to see some of those stories for yourself, head over to their Facebook page. That's just Lady Boss over on Facebook. And uh and check out some of those stories and and testimonials and you know and see how Lady Boss has helped empower uh, a lot of women to change their lives. So if you would like to check out Lady Boss, feel free to check out the link in the show notes or head over to the formulapodcast.com and click on the sponsored products tab where you can, uh, you can get a link straight to, to Lady Boss's products and get yourself set up today. Yeah, so she stopped by today to talk a little bit about 
managing and building a uh, a fully remote team, which I'm I'm completely curious in myself, just because of my my upcoming uh, trip or adventure or whatever you want to call it uh, with managing my team. And I'm I know that a lot of other people out there too are curious how how someone can can make the transition like you did and go through the process of building that successful team. And before we before we get started and jump into how you did it, do you want to give our audience a little bit of a context, maybe tell them a little bit about yourself and uh, your company, Simple Tiger? Sure, absolutely. So I'll start off with a quick bio and then I'll kind of dive into why we were remote uh, and and how we did that. So um, let's see, backing all the way up to the very beginning of kind of my professional career, um, I got a job at a digital marketing agency uh, back in probably 2008 after doing a little bit of freelance, kind of teaching myself how to do digital marketing, learning SEO, things like that. Got a job as an SEO technologist at a digital marketing agency in Atlanta that um, serviced Fortune 500 companies. And to give you an idea, my clients when I worked there were NBC, MTV, E-Trade, uh, LG Electronics, Sports Illustrated, like every single company I worked for, you guys have all heard of. And I'm not name dropping. I'm just letting you know that like that was a big, huge agency to work for. And I'll go into why I'm naming all those, all those companies in a moment because I promise you it's relevant other than just kind of establishing my credibility to talk on this subject. So, um, so I, I was working there for a little while and, uh, something that I noticed very quickly in the transition from being kind of a freelancer, teaching myself SEO, working for like one little client, making little tiny income outside the agency to working at the agency full time, you know, nine to five job, or in some cases like eight thirty to six job, um, and having like an hour commute uh, one way because I lived in Atlanta and it was just a lot of people don't realize Atlanta traffic's a lot like LA traffic. So it's just crazy commute. Um, and yeah, so I, I start working at this agency. I thought, man, this is going to be great. I can really learn the ropes at a bigger level at a huge agency. I can work with some big brand names, see how they play the game, uh, get some credibility, get some experience. And, you know, in those days, Google would actually come and buy us lunch. And then they'd have a few representatives sit there and like walk us through some updates Google's making and kind of teach us a lot of stuff. So it was really cool, really good education. And I, I really enjoyed those days. It was awesome. Um, but something that I noticed very quickly on was that I would get into work and I would sit down at my desk and I'd put my headphones in and I would take my headphones out to go to the bathroom or right before lunch to ask my friend, you know, across the cubicle from me if he wanted to go grab lunch with me. Usually I'd ask him by chat because I didn't want to interrupt any work he was on. So still have my headphones in. I'd ask if they want to go to lunch and then we'd make this plan. And and like robots, all, all of a sudden we'd all take our headphones out and just stand up and walk out together, go grab lunch, catch up, talk about shows we're watching, whatever. Get back into work, sit back down, put our headphones back in and they'd stay in until the end of the day, you know, managers get up and leave and then you shut your work down, take your headphones out, get up and leave. Right. After, after enough days of doing that, I started realizing, wait a second, I sit here completely disconnected from people all day long in this little cubicle in this building. I, I drive two hours, uh, back and forth to work and, um, and, and I sit inside this building and, and I, it's kind of driving me crazy. He's like sitting in this environment. Uh, around that time, I'd already read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And I had started uh, practicing a lot of the things that he taught in there. And I got to the point where, you know, if, if my task list in a week was was pretty thick, I was completing a majority of my items by like 
lunchtime on Wednesday. And so I'd pretty much have like Thursday and Friday to just handle random stuff as it came through, but really no pressing priorities. And so one day I just got this wild hair and I, I got done on like a Wednesday afternoon and I was like, there's nothing else for me to do. So I get up and I go ask my manager real quick. I'm like, is it cool if I, uh, you know, I just got done with my list of stuff. There's really nothing else for me to do. I've got a couple things I need to go take care of at home, a couple errands I need to run. Is it cool if I leave? And he was like, uh, no, that's not how this works. Like, you, you know, you kind of need to stay here. And have you asked if anybody else needs needs help? And I was like, no, I haven't. And they're like, well, if you want to be a good team player, go see if anyone else on your team needs needs help. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. So I go ask the rest of my team. You guys, you know, I'm done with my stuff. I've kind of got some free time here. Anything you need help with, I'd love to help out. And of course, if you think about it in a corporate environment, you're looking for job security. So you're like, no, no, I've, I, I don't need help with anything. I've got lots of stuff I need to do. I'm going to do my work, right? Mm-hmm. And so everyone was kind of defensive of handing anything over to me to to have them, you know, have my help with, because then that makes them look bad, right? Um, and so, so I, I go back to my manager. I'm like, no, everyone's everyone's good. <laughs> um, so I mean, l- literally, there's nothing else for me to do. Like I've completed everything you've set on my list. I've, I've done all kinds of proactive stuff. I'm prepared for tomorrow. Prepared for next week. Can I go? And it was like, uh, uh, no, you, you know, find something to do. And so I sat down and I just started learning stuff on YouTube and like playing on Facebook. And man, it just really started eating at me. You know, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm watching the clock tick. I'm looking out the window. There's nothing else for me to do here. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. This this model's broken. This doesn't make any sense. Why am I here? You know? Um, and so I started looking into and studying uh, if the, if this is, is there a movement against this? And so I started digging into it and I discovered a results only work environment or ROWE, R-O-W-E. And I started digging into that. I got really intrigued. I heard that, that, that phrase results only work environment. And I got really intrigued. I was like, that, that sounds like what I want because I'm generating the results I need. I'm hitting the, the marks I need to hit. Why do I have to be chained to this desk? you know, which is the most demoralizing thing. Why do I have to make this drive even, you know? And so uh, I started digging into that and they weren't even focused on remote. They were just focused on so long as your employees or your team or your company generates the results it needs to generate, then what things that are not intrinsically connected to generating those results can you cut out in an effort to improve quality of life, employee retention, profitability, things like that. And so uh, so I was really intrigued by this whole move. And so I started studying it like crazy. And over the following weeks, I would just complete my tasks super early, around one or two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm set. I'm done. I had my caffeine. I was, you know, there's nothing else for me to do. I'm studying this stuff. I'm drafting up ideas. I'm writing about things. I'm I'm keeping log of the time that I'm spending working. I'm I'm spending half the time that they're paying me working and completing the results that they needed me to complete. However, they want me to spend the rest of that time twiddling my thumbs at my desk. Um, and so I, I finally arranged a meeting with HR and I said that, you know, I wanted to kind of discuss something with you guys. I've been researching this lately. Um, you know, I've been I've been coming into work, putting in the work, hitting the results and everything. But, uh, but I'm, you're not letting me leave at the end of the day. And, you know, when I complete what I am paid to do, 
you're not letting me leave and I don't know why. Uh, I'm studying this results-only work environment and I'm discovering that companies who are implementing it, like Best Buy Corporate and a couple other companies, are noticing incredible employee retention rates and an improvement in profitability after implementing results-only work environment. And so I just kind of wanted to lay this out before you guys and see what you thought. I mean, this is pretty progressive. This is really cool stuff. I think that, you know, since we're a digital agency, we're all, I mean, if you go in there right now, there are 300 employees and you don't hear a single sound except keyboards clicking. Nobody's talking. There's no reason really for us to be here. I'm not saying that you need to tell that to everyone and just totally change everything. But could you let me go home when I get done with what I've got to do? <laughs> you know? Right. And and the pushback was insane. It was... um I'll never forget uh, the the HR director at the time saying, "No, that's too Nirvana for me," um, <laughs> which which I didn't know what he meant in Nirvana because Nirvana is kind of a Hindi term, which is like a, a a final piece at the end of a long life. That's what that meant. And I was like, "Well, I mean, I don't know how anything could be too Nirvana. That sounds great, right? Like, right. if that sounds awesome, then why the hell don't we do it?" <laughs> so um, anyway, I. I after that, after the pushback I got from that, I started thinking, I'm just going to grow my own little side practice. I'm going to try to control my own calendar. And so I started doing that nights and weekends and just kind of building my own thing. I didn't want to work on their clock on my own stuff because that just really felt kind of consciously bad. Um, but I had tons of free time. So I spent that time studying stuff and finding ways to do things outside of work. So uh, yeah, I started building my own little consulting practice. And uh, it finally got to a point where the hours I was spending on the nights and weekends um, generated as much income for me as the the work that I was doing in my nine to five job, except I was able to spend a couple of hours on the nights and weekends doing this versus the eight hours a day uh, or during my full time job. And that was kind of when I started seeing a little bit of validation that this whole results only work environment might actually work for me. Um, and then kind of we went through the financial crisis of, you know, 07, 08. And, um, and one of our biggest clients, NBC, pulled the plug. And um, that's like a $2.5 million contract, you know. So uh, we lost a lot of funding through that and a lot of, lot of need for people on the team. <laughs> and right. I was one of those. I was the squeaky wheel. You know, and uh, I quickly learned, I always thought that the squeaky wheel got the grease, but uh, in, in a corporate environment, squeaky wheels just get replaced. Um, and that's what happened. I got let go. So um, immediately, I just focused on my own operation and and really focused all my efforts uh, on, on what I was building at the time, which was Simple Tiger. And um, in a very short period of time, I'd say about six months after leaving that job environment, uh, I was able to pretty much double my income and cut my work time in half. Um, and so I had validated results on a work environment to myself, even though I couldn't validate it to the, uh, the agency that I worked for. So um, that's, that's what first kind of sent me in that direction, really told me that remote works and that results only work environment works. Uh, I got a lot more to say on that, but I feel like I've been kind of rambling for a little bit here. So <laughs> I want to pause and let you interject with anything you've got for me. No, I've just been trying to take it all in because I actually didn't know there was a term behind that, uh, that culture or that, that practice. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's something that I've been intrigued by for a long time where... Uh, I mean, I, I think all of us at some point in time have been in some role where, you know, you clock in, you're there, you clock out. And I, I want to say there's some, 
somebody said, somebody smarter than me said this. They're like, the, whatever work that you have is going to stretch to cover the amount of time that you give it. Yes. Yes. The, um, oh, yeah. Tim Ferriss said that too, but it, it, but he was quoting a principle. Um, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Tasks swell in importance based on the amount of time that they're given, kind of like studying for a final exam. And that's why a lot of people cram and then actually do a great job on the exam because you don't really need as much time as you think. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy when, uh, when you actually put it into practice because I can, I can think of, uh, there's, God, there's so many different tools and stuff like that out there, like the, uh, Pomodoro, uh, mm-hmm. God, I, I, there's, it's like a timer and I think it's 20 minutes. You get 20 minutes and then you take a five minute break. Yep. It's surprising how much you can get done in 20 minutes when you are extremely focused for that period of time. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me. So you said that you implemented this at your team and you really, it sounds like once you were laid off that you were able to then focus even more mm-hmm. on th- this was called simple tiger at that point in time too, right? <laughs> Yes, that's correct. And at that point in time, it was really just me. Uh, there was nobody else there. I was I was doing consulting. I was consulting other companies and consulting them specifically on search engine optimization or SEO. And that's that's what my agency was doing at the time. Um, this is a very knowledge heavy um, marketing practice. So it's a lot different than a lot of other marketing practices where this one lends itself really heavily to consulting consultation. And so, um, so I was able to actually work with a lot of companies that just needed uh, a lot of online back and forth. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that would allow me to work on nights and weekends because I could send messages via email. And something I was actually doing, I was using a, an app called Boomerang. Uh, it's not not the Instagram Boomerang. It's uh, old school Boomerang where it would allow you to set up an email and send it. But you would have it set to send tomorrow morning at 846 a.m. So it made it look like I was a nice, you know, early morning riser. But I was actually working on this like 1030, 1130 at night. <laughs> um, so, you know, Outlook has that same feature. But I, I was doing that to kind of collaborate with clients and things like that at nighttime and on the weekends to where it didn't look like I was a night and weekend warrior. It looked like I I did this full time during the day. And then when I finally, um, when I finally pulled the plug and and not pulled the plug, when I had the plug pulled on me and I left, um, I, uh, I, I was able to actually send that kind of stuff during the day. But, um, Tools like that actually started helping me see that, wow, during the middle of the day, there's a lot of stuff I actually do want to go take care of. Like, for example, I love mountain biking. Uh, A lot of people like getting up early in the a.m., going to the gym. Well, I'm not an a.m. person. I stay up until the a.m. That's that's what I do. I'm a nighttime person. And so um, I like to go mountain biking in the middle of the day. So I throw my bike on my car and go. uh, This this took me a while to get comfortable doing this because I felt irresponsible. But you know, just go mountain biking in the middle of the afternoon or go for a jog or something like that and come home, shower up and then actually tackle my workload and, uh, and kind of use some of the Pomodoro technique stuff. You know, I'd go, uh, work for 20, 30 minutes. And then as soon as I felt like not working, I'd look around and there's nobody watching me. Nobody cares. So I could get up and go grab a book and flip through some pages, read a couple cool things, go watch something on TV for a minute and then come back to my work and then just crush it. And I was doing exactly what I was doing at my old agency, but for other companies that I had sold to and uh, generating results for them. And I was, I was just really happy, you know, for, for once in my life, I was in control of my schedule and, and I didn't feel kind of encumbered by this um, institutional schedule and, and system of work. 
What do you think that the, what do you think that like the, the biggest change was when you, when you switched for, uh, to working for yourself and, and using that like results only work environment, the, the Pomodoro technique, all that stuff. What do you think the biggest, the biggest impact that had on your work? So it's, uh, I've got two main points here, and this is really critical for anyone working in business, anyone considering results only work environment or anything like remote to consider. Um, the first one is if it is a results only work environment, then if you and your business are not generating results, you are directly, I mean, you should be fired because that's all we're looking at now. We're not looking at how much time you spend here. We're not looking at how hard you tried. That doesn't matter. <laughs> We're looking at the results you generated. And if you're not generating results, it needs to be deleted. And that is a, that's a pretty cold approach when you think about it. Like that's, that's pretty harsh. It's pretty scary. Um, but in my opinion, I mean, why else are you doing anything? I don't, I don't know anyone that is really happy to go to a job all day and, and has such a sense of fulfillment going to a job all day and doing a terrible job. You know, yeah. so so really it forces you to think about how can I do my best work? How can I do the best job here? And what that means is that now you are responsible and you've got to take responsibility on measuring results and being clear and understanding what are good results and what are bad results. Having a very clear line, a black and white line where I have to hit this number. If it's 20 deals a month, you know, if that's, that's the number you have to hit that number or you're a failure and you have to, you have to push hard to do that. And, and it's on you to do it. Now, of course you could say, well, actually 20 is not the number I need. 15 is the number I need. Well, it's up to you really. Uh, if, if it's your business, it's up to you what you consider to be successful. But, you know, in my business, when dealing with clients, I ask them, what do you guys need? You know, what uh, KPI wise, like, what is our, what is our goal? And if our client gives us a, a very clear goal, if, if I agree to that goal, I have a contract around that goal and I'm charging for my company to help them hit that goal. If we don't hit that goal, we look very bad. We lose our integrity. We lose our, our client. We lose our relationship. And so, you know, I think you've got to make sure that you're clear first and foremost on what are those results? What are the KPIs or the key performance indicators and metrics that are telling you that you are hitting those results? So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is personal. And this comes into self, self-discipline as well as self-talk and what you're telling yourself. Um, for me, because I had presented this great idea to my company before uh, and, and was just shut down and, be, and chained to that desk. Um, I had this strong sense actually of self-doubt. Like it actually kind of made me believe like, oh man, I'm wrong. Results only work environment is not a good idea. Uh, or at least I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm talking about. This big machine is very profitable. You know, the one that I work for and they know what they're doing. Um, so I guess I'm just kind of a, um, I guess a bit of a, a fraud in, in what I believe. And so getting over that feeling was really hard for me when I started making money on my own and generating results on my own and having happy clients on my own using the system. It actually, even though I was able to very clearly validate it in front of my eyes, it was hard for me to get over the feeling that I had been so heavily rejected or that that this couldn't work or wasn't the right way. So over time, I had to kind of convince myself that, look, this this is good. This works. This is the right way for you to go. Um, so, you know, when you get done with the full nine to five thing and maybe 
you know, maybe you are a nine to five person and that's fine. That's totally cool. But um, you, you get over working maybe in an institution or something like that and you kind of create your own thing and you start generating results on your own. And it's middle of the afternoon, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon and you're kind of done and you close your laptop. It's going to probably take you a little while to feel comfortable with that. Like, I, you know, when I was working from home right after I left this agency job, I kind of felt guilty. Like I've got friends who are sitting there chained to their desks and I get to close my laptop here. I kind of felt like my world was going to crash around me someday. And I just it, it didn't seem to be happening. But I was just always kind of looking over my shoulder like, man, is this is this going to break at some point? Because I'm doing it, you know, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> right. You know, that's that that I realized over time is in the back of every road. Or, or magnates mind. If you're a leader, if you're a founder, if you're a rogue, if you're a rebel, uh, you're on your own. You know, you're out there in the in the great horizon by yourself, and you've kind of got to figure out how to do this. And if you're leading it and you're pulling everyone behind you towards the the horizon, you're responsible for them, and it's kind of on you to make sure that you know what you're doing and that you're doing it right. And so a a lot of times you're going to have that feeling. Just understand that that comes with being a leader, that comes with being a founder, a rebel, a rogue. And, um, And actually what you can do is, and this will segue probably into another part of our conversation, what you can do to help with that is find a way to not be alone. Find a way to start building a team and start trusting in people and leaning on other people who can help you uh, not be alone and help test your ideas and your opinions and stuff and see if they're reasonable, see if they make sense and then help you achieve them. So where do you get started when you're when you're looking to to put together that team? So for me, the very first thing I did was I was like, all right, so I need people who can come help me uh, with my SEO stuff for my clients. But I can't just go hire anybody. I can't just go hire a friend. I need to hire people who are good, you know, like good, talented people that preferably have some experience in another agency or another job. So in order to get those people, I'm going to have to give them obviously a pretty good income. uh, But I'm also going to have to find a way to give them something that's going to draw them away from their agency job or from whatever work they are doing. Something that allows me to be a competitive company to work for in the marketplace. And so I just immediately thought, well, I'm going to give them something as a standard that I know other agencies and other companies aren't giving them out there, which is a results-only work environment that is entirely remote. It is location and time independent. And I'm going to let them work how they want, when they want, as long as they deliver the results. And now, of course, in in cases where they're interacting with the client, we have to meet schedules. But those schedules are based on what the client's availability is and, and call times and stuff like that. Other than that, I really don't care. You know, if I have three different calls throughout the day today and I've got to have that call with, you know, my content manager and my PR manager, and then the second call I've got to have with my project manager, and then the third call I have to have with a salesperson, for example, um, I really don't care what they're doing in between those calls or where they are in the world. Like there, I, I have weekly check-ins with some of my team. And there's this one uh, guy that we work with who is always traveling. And so when I have my weekly check-in with him, I'm like, so where are you reporting from? And he's like, oh, I'm in Canada. 
Canada right now. I'm in Toronto. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, and then like next week, it'll be like, yeah, I'm Australia. I'm like, oh, that's crazy, man. He's like, farm <laughs> in San Diego, you know, but he really uses it. He really gets the gets the utility out of it, uh, of, of being able to travel and see the whole world while he works. Um, so long as he makes this, you know, 2 p.m. phone call, uh, I don't care where he is. And, uh, and, and it's shown to be very valuable. So by first laying that out there as a results only work environment, you're remote, you're completely in charge of your, your time and location. Um, we're going to pay you well, but we're going to pay you, uh, what I think is fair in the marketplace. It may not be necessarily as much as you could potentially make at a, uh, you know, fortune 500 company or a real, bleeding edge tech agency in a, in a big city like Seattle or LA or Atlanta. But, uh, you're not going to have to contend with that traffic. You're not going to have to contend with, uh, you know, location independent or location dependent needs and things like that. You're not going to be gauged on how many hours you pound away at the desk. You're going to be gauged on how well you deliver content to our clients or how well you build links for our clients and things like that. And, uh, immediately started attracting tons of people. When we put that job up, uh, I, I started looking for a job board that was a remote job board. And I found WeWorkRemotely.com. So if you're looking out there, you're looking for a job and you want a remote job, you like what I'm saying. WeWorkRemotely.com is a job board. I, I'm not paid to say this. I don't, I don't make any money <laughs> off of this. So I'm not, not out here uh, promoting them. But, I, but they are a really good job board where if anyone posts a job there, the assumption is that they're a remote work environment, typically kind of more results only as, as a standard. And uh, every job that we put out there, uh, we put up on that site and they get, they, they send us a lot of really good business, a lot of really good um, applicants and everything. And I have some awesome conversations with very talented people who see the value in that, who want that. And so, uh, so that's what we did. And we started attracting all kinds of people and we started off with this kind of contractor agreement first. Um, I didn't want to overcommit and just go straight into a full-time employment because firing a full-time employee is a very difficult thing to do, especially for a small business. So uh, I just decided, let's start with a contractor relationship for 30 to 60 days. Let's see how it works. Let's pay them well for it. And then uh, just kind of during that period of time, find out how, how open they are to a full-time employment and... Um, you know, what they want and need, what their pay needs to be, how the work goes. Do we like it? Are they able to hit the results? And during that time, we're really able to do kind of a mutual assessment of each other and find out, is this what we want? And it worked extremely well. We were able to hire uh, several people one by one that have just been really good fits for the agency. And over time, things change. We grow and kind of out, outgrow a certain position or a certain role. And we try to move people around if they can. And if they can't, if they can't move around within the company, then we have to let them go. But we always try to keep a good relationship with everyone and just be very honest and blunt. So that's another thing that comes with this results only work environment and working remotely is that you don't have all of the nuanced context of having somebody you know, slug in from work, you know, or to work in the morning, kind of worn out from their commute and sit down and they're, they got a bad attitude and stuff like that. We don't see that because I don't, I'm not in front of my team. So when they call into a client call, that's, that's the moment that I'm talking to them. When we hang up from the client call, that's where the, the conversation for the day ends. You know, I don't know what else is going on in their life except for what they throw up in Slack or something like that. So, um, 
because of that, it kind of forces us to just be focused on the results with each other. It also kind of strips away a little bit of the personal element. So you have to keep that in mind too, that there are some pluses and minuses to this uh, remote work environment and results only work environment that uh, some of the personal effects sometimes can be a little, a little slim. Um, it takes a little bit longer, I think, to warm up with people in this environment and to build a relationship and get close to them. But it can happen. I've got a fairly close relationship with all of my team. Um, but I have only met about half of them in person. So uh, it's pretty, pretty wild for some people to hear, but that's just the way, the way our, our business has run so far. Yeah. What do you, what do you say to people? Cause I, as I'm, as I'm hearing you talk about this, I'm like, man, there's gotta be a lot of skeptics out there, right? Because, you know, a, a lot of people have gone the traditional route of, you know, going to school or going to college, uh, getting their business or marketing degrees or, or whatever degree. And they're kind of taught that, you know, taught how the workplace should operate or how it should be or what system or work environment should be in place. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that are skeptical of this. And what, and I'm sure you've talked to a few of them <laughs> in your, mm -hmm. uh, in your path so far. What do you, what do you say to those people who are skeptical of the effects of having this like fully remote results only? work environment? Well, first things first, I don't think, I don't think row or remote is for everyone. So I'm going to come right out and say that I don't think it's for everyone. You know, like, for example, there, I mean, there are so many obvious industries where it just simply won't work at all. Like, for example, restaurant or, um, uh, you know, retail, like you have to have a human there. Even if there's no business, even if nobody's walking in the front door, somebody may walk in and they may buy a couple hundred dollars or thousands of dollars worth of things and you just, you just have to be there. So there are those you know jobs where it just doesn't make sense. But in our kind of information economy and knowledge workers like myself and a, a lot of your listeners um, that can can do their job remotely should, I think, be allowed to, uh, depending on... Um, the agency or the company or the the business structure that they're working in. Now, I don't think necessarily every agency should be remote or results only work environment. I don't think that they should. And and looking back on that first agency that I worked for that that wouldn't let me do that, I I get it. You know, I'm not. I have no uh, ill will or, or bad feelings uh, against them at all because they have a model that I think is extremely effective. They're way bigger agency than I am. Uh, probably always going to be a bigger agency than we are, and uh, make a lot more money than we do and stuff like that. Have a lot more employees. Work with much bigger companies. That's fine. That's totally cool. So that's a model that works. I'm not. I'm not hating on that model. Um, but I do hear skeptics talk about it, and some people say that it can't or won't work, and I. I just simply don't have to get into argument with them. I say, look, I mean, the fact that I'm, you know, been doing this seven, eight years now, uh, remote, and I've got a happy, healthy company that generates a profit that has happy, healthy employees that generate a healthy income validates everything I need to know. I don't, I don't need to prove it to anyone. Uh, I don't need to prove it uh, to, to myself anymore. It's, it, it works. Um, so I know that it works and I don't, 
I don't really have to contend with skepticism in that regard. Um, but I do like having conversations with people who say, um, I'm just not sure it would work in my business and, and kind of give them some examples of maybe certain positions in the company where it would work and how you might even be able to cut costs in a portion of your company if that portion of your company could do it. So for example, Best Buy. Best Buy is a retail company, but we don't often think about Best Buy having corporate offices and marketing teams and you know finance and HR teams and compliance teams and stuff like that. And these are all people that work in big offices and stuff. And uh, they decided to go this results-only work environment route at that level, and it worked really well for them. Now, they can't do that at the retail level, but that's okay. The retail workers are fine with what they do, right? So... Um, I think it's just, uh, it requires a little bit more sophistication than to just outright say everybody should be remote or nobody should be remote, that kind of thing. Um, you kind of have to look at it on a more of a case by case basis and really decide how it could work for you. Yeah. So when you're looking at it on that case by case basis, is there, I know you, you covered it a little bit. Is there anything else that really stands out for you? Like if, if you were to suggest whether or not a team go remote or not? Yeah, I think some um I think some leaders actually have this is this is where I kind of open the kimono a little bit. I think some leaders are uh, kind of have a need to be in person with people and so therefore they want to run a company where they are around their people. And I don't I you know, I, I don't have anything against that at all. So I don't blame them. Uh for example, I've got somebody that is a, a competitive agency in our industry called Sierra Interactive. And Will Reynolds is the CEO there. And he's always posting photos around his people and hiring people and talking to people and stuff like that. And he seems like the kind of guy that just really likes to be around his team. Uh, same with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, I mean, he's huge. Everybody knows who he is. But he's always going over to his agency, it seems like, every day and running through the the building and, and working with people and talking to people and joining meetings and stuff in person. And that, that to me is not very remote or, you know, or, or results only work environment necessarily, but that, that doesn't mean that they aren't focused on results. Um, I think they, they very much are. I just think that there are different kind of styles of management and leadership. And um, for me personally, I've enjoyed a, a lot of what remote offers. Uh, at times I do miss the personal contact element of just kind of being able to hang out and make noise in a room and listen to music and cut up and joke with people and stuff. So uh, I actually spend a lot of my time involved at my church where I get to do that. So my church is one of those things where results only work environment or, or remote just doesn't apply. You know, the, you've got to be there in person to actually help people, talk to people, pray for people and things like that. And so, you know, being there gives me a lot of that social thing that I miss out with in my business, in my day to day. Uh, so I think, you know, that that's something to consider. Find ways to get what you need if you are a, a leader and you kind of have your personal needs and that dictates a lot about your business. Find ways to do that, but don't be so selfish to the point where you're uh, limiting your team or your your other people from being able to um, to live their best life and live live what they want to do. You know. Yeah, and I I think that it's you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about like certain leaders. Uh, you know, they they definitely. I mean, there's been different people I've worked with where they're more of like, a, they want to sit down with you and have like in-person conversations and they do really well in that environment. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it's probably a comfort level too. Um, you know, there's some people who are probably more comfortable 
and more trusting, I guess you could say, than others who, mm-hmm. you know, some, I'm, I'm sure there's people out there that the idea of not seeing the person that's uh, doing work for them is probably a little bit scary and they can't have as much access to that person as they might like. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there was um, some of the terminology that was used in my in my first agency experience that I explained was um, we we want to have access to you and know that we can you know 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 that you're doing your work and things like that. And I I accepted it at the time, even though my gut felt really wrong about that, and I wasn't sure why my gut felt wrong about it. I, I wasn't sure if it was just my opinion and how I wanted, but I want what I want kind of thing. And that was why my gut was feeling how it was. Or if there was something actually wrong with that. And then later on, I realized, yeah, there's something wrong with that. And here's what it is. You don't trust that person. You think you have to look over their shoulder. You think you have to physically watch them do their job like somebody who's going to mow your lawn like you you have to watch them push the lawnmower instead of just waiting until they come knock on your door and say hey i'm done you step outside and look at the grass is the grass cut then great pay them <laughs> you don't have to watch them cut your grass you know um but but we kind of have this uh we kind of have this fear based mentality in management that if i don't if i don't directly watch this person do their job um, or can't do that, then they're not going to do it. Uh, but that's not true. You know, you can you can actually watch the guy that is, uh, you know, one of the team members that worked with me at that agency. Uh, and you can watch him sit at his computer until after the manager leaves, because that was kind of the thing to do. You wait until the manager leaves and then you leave because that's how you look like a good employee. But that's all it does. It makes you look like a good employee. I got more done than he did. You know, and now I'm sitting there playing on Facebook. So I'm like (laughs) that employee, but I'm more productive. I'm more efficient. I'm more effective. You see what I'm saying? So I like I like to kind of challenge those assumptions with some logic there and just show you how they don't they don't hold up as well as you might think. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's uh, are you are you being productive or are you giving the perception that you're being productive? Right. Right. Because in some cases, that's important. I think if you're a politician, in some cases, you've got to look productive. But then in other positions, you have to be productive um, or, or you're in trouble. And and it's like you kind of have to know the game that you're playing. And to be honest, at that agency job, I didn't know the game I was playing. I didn't know that I, I just needed to look productive. If I if I ever get tired of this working for myself thing and run my own team, run my own agency and all that kind of stuff, I'll go back and get a corporate job again. And if I do... Uh, I'm just going to try to sit back and play the game, you know, because that's what it is. I, I learned that that's what it is. Unless I enjoy what I do so much that, you know, for some reason, I just don't want to run my agency anymore. I'd like to go work for another one. If I worked for another one, I'd probably try to find one that works a lot like mine does, where they're really forward thinking. They're looking at results and I can just kind of relax and be a part of part of the the team, you know. All right. So in, in regards to the availability or access to to your team, uh, what about the speed? Like, is it the same when you have a remote team as being able to just like, you know, throw up a message on Slack or, uh, or walk over and talk to someone? Like, what's the difference when you have, when you have that in-person team versus remote? Now, that is a good point because I think, um, what I did experience and what I have experienced with remote that does, does give credence to the argument, you know, uh, I, I want access to my team. Uh, or better, faster access to my team. I, I kind of get that when things pop up where it's like a really quick question, 
that is probably not going to interrupt necessarily someone's flow of thinking, or I need to have a quick powwow with my team. And it needs to be something that we didn't plan. We didn't organize. We didn't schedule. We didn't calendar, but we need to discuss something as a team really fast because it's an important issue. Um, but in those kinds of situations, sometimes it's a little harder because um, if we are truly remote and we are truly results only work environment, then you know, I've got seven full-time employees right now. One of them, you know, or two or three of them could be skiing or scuba diving right now at this moment because they don't, they're not booked on a call. Uh, they may be at the mall. They may be at the DMV. I don't know. Um, so at any get, or they could be asleep because they're in like Beijing or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so suddenly having those, that access uh, is a lot harder. And that is definitely an adjustment that you got to get used to. So we do use tools like Slack. We do use email, uh, calendaring. We use Calendly. We share our calendars with each other a lot. Um, and, uh, we, you know, communication is really key in a remote work environment. You've got to make sure that um, you set kind of expectations around communication. Um, so if I'm, I'm messaging you through Slack, it's fairly laid back. If it's a direct message in Slack, I want a faster response. If I'm text messaging you on your phone, like your phone <laughs> number directly, it's a much more important thing. And if I call you, I just need you to pick up. So like All if right. my if anyone on my team calls me, I mean, I could be in the middle of something like a movie and I'll run out of the theater to answer the call because we don't call each other, you know, unless it's critical. Um, so we do kind of have this understood escalation of communication elements, but that is something that you lose out on a little bit with remote where if you've got somebody across the room that you could just run over real quick and be like, Hey, did you mean to send that? Or is this what, you know, what, what should be the price on this? Or I'm on a sales call. Is this, is this how we should be selling this real quick? You know, right. <laughs> the client will mute, say that real quick and then come back. You know, uh, you can't do that kind of stuff in remote. So, um, I think that is important. You got to keep that in mind. Uh, but you can find ways. I, I think you can find some fairly good ways to adapt to that. Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily perfect and we haven't figured it all out but we are running a really a really cool agency so far that's that's been been really enjoyable and everything and i, I think we've done a, a fairly good job at dealing with some of those challenges yeah it sounds like it sounds like you guys have uh you know quite a bit of experience maybe putting out some some fires and things like that that have allowed you to put together a pretty solid process at least uh you know, um, I'm trying to think of like the, the right term where it's like, it's a code, code blue. It's a code yellow. It's a code, mm -hmm. code red means like I'm calling you. I need help immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, I think it's good to have kind of a, a triage system that you've agreed to. You know, like if I call one of my employees, man, they, they jump to call me back. And if they call me, I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's important. And I try to handle it as soon as possible. It's so rare. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but when that phone rings, I'll, I'll look at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to take this. <laughs> so. Right. so you talked a little bit about some of the tools that you use like Calendly and I brought up uh, Slack. I think you also brought up Slack too. Mm -hmm. what, what other tools or products or services do you recommend for people to to use while they're, you know, while they're managing their remote team? Um, so we also use a tool called Toggle. Um, for time tracking. Now, you might be asking yourself, wait a second, you guys track time. Yeah, we do. Um, it's not it's not as much for payroll purposes or anything like that as it is for understanding um, expectations and hard costs around uh, items as well as managing bandwidth. So, for example, if I have to do keyword research for a client or a team has to do keyword research for a client, I have a, a, a team member who is kind of their 
their role and their responsibility is in charge of keyword research, they'll bill their time for you know seven or eight hours it took us to do this keyword research item, for example. Um, and it might be broken up into different stages, so three hours here and then four hours tomorrow, that kind of thing. Um, that helps me get a good understanding around the the time allotted to that subject or that item. Um, and And then I can kind of look at, all right, taking that and taking all their time they spent this month, maybe they only logged part-time towards billable client work during this month. But maybe there was a whole lot of checking emails and doing kind of random general work that could just be billed to Simple Tiger, the agency in general, right? Where they, they weren't working on anything directly billable. But that gives me a good idea then of how they're being utilized and how they're utilizing their time. Uh, over time, we will see, like if sales dip, for example, we will see a decrease in billable time spent and an increase in non-billable time spent on, on just random stuff in-house. And then we'll also see the team being a lot more active on Slack, just kind of asking like, hey, what are you guys thinking about this? Or, you know, just chatter and and asking about things they want to learn, things they want to do. How can they help? Stuff like that. So I do have a really awesome team. They're always looking at trying to help and improve things. And um, But I think a tool like that helps you get a little bit more visibility into what your team's doing, when they're doing it, how they work. Um, like a lot of our team uh, does bill a lot of work during the normal day-to-day. But then some people on the team are more like me and they build their time late at night. And so you just see that they tend to work late at night when they're actually doing productive work. And maybe that's because the world goes to sleep and they can focus or something like that. So anyway, I, I would say time tracking, don't don't shy away from it. I think it is important. It can be really useful. Um, so that's one big tool, Toggle. Um, and then your project management software. We use Basecamp right now. I'm not happy about it anymore. I used to love Basecamp. Um, we're looking for something else. We kind of want to go more the agile route. And and I kind of feel like Basecamp's... I don't want to say they've lost their way because I don't I don't think that's necessarily true. But they just... They, they've lost us. Like we're, we're looking for something else. Um, I'm kind of looking into Airtable a little bit right mm-hmm. now. Um, we had played around with Trello in the past, but it, it's not flexible enough for what we need. Um, Airtable is looking pretty interesting, pretty promising. So we might go down that route. Uh, but something that allows for a little bit more of like a Kanban agile process right. is kind of what we're looking for. Um, yeah, I've yeah. seen I've seen a couple of friends of mine <clears throat> recently switch over to using Airtable and they seem to to really like it. So I don't know if that's a solid endorsement or not. Yeah, it yeah. uh, might be worth checking out then. Yeah, no, that helps me. I'm definitely looking into it. Yeah. So I, I feel like we've covered a ton here, like really how to put together your team, some different uh, management tactics, when you should and shouldn't, should and should not look at uh, doing a fully remote team, uh, mm-hmm. some mistakes people make, why, I mean, even though this goes against some, you know, institutional or conventional thinking, why this might be the right fit or right opportunity for someone. Uh, is there mm-hmm. anything else that you'd like to uh like to leave the audience with or cover before we wrap up the interview? Um, I think you're going to, yeah, I think you're going to continue to see a lot more remote stuff kind of bubble up. Um, I think the, you know, the agencies in town are cool and everything like that. But if I, if I had to hire the, the team that I have right now, if I had to replace this team with people in Sarasota, Florida here, and I had to go rent an office and I had to drive that office every day in order for them to work hard, 
um, that would put such a strain on me and on the business. And I think it'd be very difficult for us to to have the talent and deliver the results that we de- we deliver. Um, because I, I just, I don't know people in my town that I could replace people on my team with. And I know a lot of people in my town here. Now, I'm not saying they're not out there. I'm not saying that people in my town aren't good employees or anything like that. They're, they're great. That's, you know, that's a, a misnomer, I think. But, but that, I found a specific type of talent by offering remote because I got one person in Canada and one person in California, one person in New York, one person in you know Indianapolis, and and it's just worked really well for us to to do that. So I think keeping in mind that you do open up your talent pool significantly if you are a knowledge work based industry, that can really help. Uh, you can get talent that you just can't find elsewhere <laughs> by looking elsewhere, really. Right. Um, so, so, uh, so I would, I would really think about that, but that's, uh, that's really, I think probably my, my final piece on the matter. Uh, well, thanks man. That was, that was fun. I'm, I was sitting here like taking notes and I'm like, I'm like, all right, how do I, I'm like, I need to find out about more about this results only work. <laughs> and, like, yeah. Cause I, I've also, I spent some time, um, I've been in startup world for ever. It seems like, and I took some time to work at a new agency. I was like their first hire mm-hmm. about two years ago. And I spent the first year working in the office with them. And it was like, I was like, why? Why do I need to sit here? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm miserable being like, I, I mean, I liked what I was doing, but I'm like, I want to go other places and do other things. I don't like driving yes. here and coming in every day. Right. Like, for example, my girlfriend and I worked at a, a Starbucks that is a different Starbucks than the one that we worked at the previous day. And it was just so happened to be another part of town that we we're close to. And it just felt awesome. Yeah. Like, and, and floating around, I mean, we'll go to the library, for example. We have a really cool library that has an awesome saltwater aquarium down here in Florida. And we'll go work there. We have to be quiet, but it's like, it's awesome. And then I'll go work. I have a uh, co working space. I'll go work there if I want to. And I just, I float around. And it, it for me, I need that that kind of variety. It's the spice of life for me. So I, I I float around and I get a lot of good work done. I'm going to Seattle in a few hours, and I'm going to be working with a friend that uh that works at Amazon, and I get to go work at the Amazon campus for a little bit. That's going to be awesome, you know, like being able to do that. And so that's only because I'm remote. I wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. Yeah, uh, I had a friend of mine on the show probably like 30 episodes ago <laughs> or something like yeah. that. And he's been traveling full time for nine years. And he was talking about the, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what type of science this would be, maybe biology behind it. Um, how your brain actually, like when you go to the same place over and over again, uh, you almost start to f- like, it's like when you drive to drive home from the office or drive somewhere every day for like a year, you start to forget the actual drive there. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 So when you go to work and you're actually working, the same types of things happen and you're using the same, uh, you're using the same, same synapses in your brain. So mm. they almost like your body just like kind of stops putting energy there. Like wow. it doesn't have to put as much energy there because it's like really, I'm trying to think of the right terms and to not like butcher it, but, um, sure. Uh, so when you go to new places, your brain is actually on the lookout for new threats, right? So you're much more uh, yeah. aware and present. Yeah. So you're able to be more focused in your work. Like when um, last trip I went on was to uh, Prague in the Czech Republic. Mm. And someone was like, are you going to work while you're over there? I'm like, yeah, it's going to be fine. Like I'm 
I'm pretty sure it's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I remember sitting down at this coffee shop and I was there for like three hours. And at the end of three hours, I like, I was like, oh shit, I'm done with like two days of work. I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's something about that. And that lights my fire because there are some days I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> and actually, I hate to say it, but it sounds crazy. I'm not. I'm not one of the type A like go getter, always want to work kind of people usually. But uh, that's very rare that I wake up and I don't want to do anything. Since I'm in charge of my schedule, and I talk to my employees about this, I'm like, look, don't blow smoke up my butt because I really don't care. But I want to know, like, what do you think about when you wake up? And you know, you got to get to work and stuff like that at some point. They're like, oh man, I love it. Like, I love what I do. I absolutely love it. I wouldn't. I don't want anything else. Like I've had employees <laughs> turn down jobs at Google and Apple and Amazon and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, man, this is awesome. And it's because they have a sense of freedom and they they are in control of their lives. You know, they really feel like they can. And so then when I ask them for help, if I if I ask anyone on my team, hey, I really need you on something, they drop whatever it is they're doing and they jump in to help me because they're like, they, you know, they have that freedom all the time. And so it's not even an inconvenience. Now I'm brainstorming about how to, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how you can like manufacture that on like a daily basis. Yeah. So yeah, it's tough, man. And it takes time to build that too. Like the culture, they, they always say, you know, how long does it take to build culture at a company? Um, my uh, executive pastor at my church says one year, hmm. you know, it takes a year. So like if you come into a company and you got to change a culture, it's going to take you a year. <laughs> yeah. You got to get. You got to change everything and everyone has to get used to it and get comfortable with it and start living it. And that takes about a year. So, um, yeah, it takes a little while to make these kinds of changes and for them to really feel like they make sense. You know, it might make sense logically for a little bit, but it's going to take about a year before it feels normal. Yeah. Well, you've given me some stuff to think about for the rest of the day. Uh, (laughs) Good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap for this week's show. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. And a big shout out to our guest for stopping by to to share his formula for building a remote and successful uh, team. So if I could ask a quick favor from all of you listeners, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever app that you're using that will allow you to leave a review for our show Uh, And if you jump on there and leave us a quick review, that would be awesome. It really helps other people like you find our show and really helps our show's mission move forward, which is really sharing sharing the formula uh, for being able to to create the life that you want, whether that's, you know, building an e-commerce team or, uh, you know, getting into the best shape of your life, whatever it is. Uh, We really just want to show people that it's possible to do these things by sharing the message from the people who've already done it. Uh, So... An example of an interview that was left recently uh, was from CJT261992, uh, awesome podcast. Each episode has great information and knowledgeable speakers. Keep it up. So if you could uh, give us a review, that would be awesome and very helpful. Uh, if you if you enjoy our content and you think that uh, you might enjoy you know, some of the other articles we've written or or the things that we have coming out, head over to the Formula Podcast on Facebook or head over to theformulapodcast.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Uh, my name is Trevor Carlson and uh, really thank you for you stopping by and listening to this week's episode. And I look forward to you dropping by next week. Mm-hmm.